Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. It's appropriate for us when we prepare to do something liturgically, such as a covenant renewal service, to look back in Scripture and either locate its inspiration or ground its presence. And as we do that this morning, you might be surprised to find that we've gone all the way back to the Old Testament to 2 Kings. And if you're familiar at all with 1 and 2 Kings, it's actually one group of stories that have been split into easier readings, so 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And you might not be aware that there are very few good kings in 1 and 2 Kings, or at all in the Bible, actually. But 1 and 2 Kings actually chronicles a number of human beings that attempt to lead God's people through their political power, the monarchy. And as they do this, what we end up finding out is that most of them are really fractured, flawed, sinful human beings. And occasionally, there's this glimpse of glory in a king who has a moment of supreme just wisdom and they act as God would have them act rather than how they want to act or their advisors want to act or or the pressure that they feel from both people and other nations. And so the king that we heard today is actually King Josiah who's known for the reforms that he brings that come after the scriptures that I just read to you now. And Josiah, interestingly enough, comes to the monarchy, comes to the throne at the age of eight. Can you imagine having an eight-year-old tell us what to do? Now, he was helped tremendously by his mother in his early years, but Josiah reigned 31 years. He grew into his monarchy. He grew into his service and leadership of the people. It wasn't something that he just stepped right into. It was something that he had to cultivate. It emerged over time. And as he did this, 31 years is a very long reign in the book of Kings, by the way. It's a very long reign, which testifies to the fact that even though he would make mistakes and did make mistakes, that God saw worth in his leadership and in the way he approached leadership. So the story that I just read to you actually begins a chapter ahead where Josiah comes into ministry And he notices during the course of uh, in in his ministry and his monarchy that the temple, the house of God, has fallen into disrepair, and it's upsetting to him. And so he says, God's house can't look like this. This is is absolutely abhorrent, which is why we have trustees committees to keep our house of God from falling into disrepair. And then what ends up happening is he says, we need to renovate the temple. We need to restore it to its glory so that it, it brings glory to God when people enter into it. And as they are going about these renovations, they do something that a lot of churches and homeowners discover as you're renovating. You find things that you thought were lost or things that you never knew that you had before. And they find this book. And what they do is they open up the book and someone looks at it and says, oh my goodness, this is very important. And so they take it to the king and the king reads it for himself, astonishingly, is able to read. Most of the time, kings actually had to have somebody to read for them. But Josiah reads it and says, oh my gosh, do you know what this is? 
This is the Torah. This is God's law book. This is God's covenant book with us. And we have forgotten these words. We have forgotten who we are, our origin stories. We have forgotten what God wants us to be. We have forgotten parts of who God is because we have lost this holy book. And then he does what I read for you. He gathers everyone, all of the leaders. He gathers all of the people. And you notice they explicitly call out the people that should have realized we lost this big sacred holy book, the priests and the prophets. Calls all the people together, both small and great. And you can make that chronology or whatever you want to do with that. Makes all the people gather together. And then before them, proceeds to read them the entire book. Now, my Bible study that meets on Thursday nights, we started on Genesis 1-1, and we read all the way through the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, read every single word on Thursdays, and it took us a year. How would you like to stand out there for that assembly? And he reads them these words, and it's very moving, and they realize what was going on in those scriptures, and then who they are supposed to be here and now. And then he does something that I must really admire for a leader. He shows them what it should look like. He turns to this pillar of God, and he decides that he shall be the first to renew the covenant with God, the covenant of Mount Sinai, the covenant of Abraham, the covenant of Noah, the covenant that brought the people into the promised land and that allowed them to flourish there, the covenant that made them the people they are today, and he the monarch of these people. And he turns and he swears to God, makes this vow and enters into this newness of the covenant that with all of my heart, with all of my soul, all that I am, I will follow you, Lord, and I will keep your commandments, your decrees, and your law. I will keep them for all of my days. And the people are moved by this. They join in to the covenant. And this is the inspiration and the biblical underpinnings for what we are going to do in a few moments. But why? Why is it so important for us? Because like the people of Judah and Jerusalem, like the Israelites, like the early forefathers of our faith in Jesus Christ, we recognize that every now and then you must stop and take stock of where you are and realize that sometimes we've gone off course. Sometimes we have failed to keep in the forefront of our minds and our lives who we are supposed to be. And one of the things that comes after Josiah's covenantal renewal is that he goes back not only to the palace, but into the house of God and around his nation, and he starts to just kind of take stock of where everything is. Have you ever gone back to your house or to your bedroom and you looked around and you go, huh, I'd probably need to clean up this, and I didn't realize this was over here, and wow, that is really not what we should be doing right now. And so he did this with his surroundings as well. They went into the, the temple of God and they said, you know, these idols don't belong here that we need to get them out of here. Our covenant says that we should not have any other gods. Therefore, we must eradicate these idols from the, from the house of worship. They went around the countryside and tore down the altars to other deities that had come in from interactions with other peoples that didn't worship God. And so they started to kind of clean house. They started to remake their world, their homes, the house of God, in accordance with the covenant that they had just renewed. And it is appropriate for us as we are closing out 2019 and moving in to a brand new 2020 for us to do the same thing, not only in our heads and in our hearts, but in our homes, in this house of God, in our crozet and in our nation, in our world, 
it is appropriate for us to take stock and say, we have wandered here. We need to refocus. This is, this is distracting us and dividing our attention and consuming our resources when instead we should be here. Because we are not a people that is to be focused on the things of the past or the things that don't lead us towards glory in Jesus Christ. We are a people that should be focused continually on what we're supposed to do, which is why God not only gave them, but us God's word. Because every now and then we need to be reminded. Every now and then we need to be brought back in and realigned. Every now and then it is appropriate for us to return to the beginning of our faith, which is recorded here. This isn't the beginning of our faith. This is an encounter that has been recorded throughout generations of people. And we are continuing to build upon that encounter with our lives, our ministry, and our encounters with God Almighty. But we have to be grounded in something, which is why we give Bibles to the kids, which is why we look at our current spiritual disciplines and we wonder what needs to be tweaked, what needs to be added, what is no longer fruitful and needs to be cast aside. Just this morning, I walked into Luke's room and with great authority, I informed him that starting on January 1st, we were going to sit down at the dining room table and read the Bible while we ate dinner. He was about that enthusiastic about that, too. And he was kind of like, oh, yay, that sounds awesome. Well, it doesn't sound awesome, but it sounds right. And here's another clue I have for you after 13 years of ministry and all the Bible reading I've done. If it doesn't exactly sound appealing, first off, it's probably godly. And if it doesn't sound like something you would really want to do, then maybe it really is godly and you should pursue it. And so we're going to. And it means that we have to adjust ourselves. We can no longer sit before a TV screen. We can no longer eat separately and at different times. Because I read the Bible a lot. But I woke up this morning and I realized that I don't spend a lot of time reading the Bible to my child. I don't spend a lot of time reading my Bible with my child. And so I need to reorder my priorities and refocus because the same book that has not only guided my life and my ministry, but has guided the ministry and lives of those who continue to shape the world into the kingdom to come is something that I need to be able to give to my child and other children. And so we, we as adults, whether you have a child or not, whether your child is full grown and out of the house or not, wherever we are, we too as adults need to make sure that we are grounded in the scripture. Because I'll tell you right now, people can tell when you're not. And people can tell when you are. They may not get to see you reading your scripture. They may not get to you know, have you quote it back to them, but you are transformed when you read the scriptures and your lives, your words, your actions are changed when you are grounded in the text. In fact, I've had people say to me, you must read your Bible a lot. I do. I read my Bible a lot. But to my utter shame as a parent, I don't read my Bible a lot with and for my child. But this new year is a time to change that. It is an opportunity for me to show him how I read, what I read, and hope that one day he will read better than I do. And that is our prayer, is it not? That the children of Crozet, the children of the United States, the children of the world will be better than us. That they won't make our mistakes. That they won't continue to do the things that cause hatred, pain, and suffering, and violence, and death. But instead, that they will grow beyond us and that the world will be better because we showed them not just how to be, 
but we allowed them to learn from our mistakes and our failures, which is what the Bible records, the mistakes and the failures of those who came before with glimpses of glory in the moments that they really allowed themselves to be vessels of the living God. That's what we're conveying. And as we are moving through time and we are continuing to grow and to emerge and to become more and more the disciples that Christ died that we might be and that the world so desperately needs, it's appropriate for us to turn and say, Lord, what would you have me do now? What's the next step for me? And so we will enter into this opportunity to examine for ourselves the covenant that God has given to us. God initiates the covenants in Scripture. And sometimes we don't even realize that the, the, the brilliant idea we had comes from God, that God gives us wisdom, God gives us a rational mind, God gives us a heart that is able to reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. God gives us bodies that are the means by which we put our heads and our hearts into action in the world. And because of all of these things, we are able to be blessings as Christ has blessed us, so in turn we shall bless. And as we are preparing ourselves for what God would have us be and do in the next year, as the world starts asking us, you know, what's your resolution? Which we all know how those turn out really well, right? Mm -hmm. I don't get a lot of testimonies at the end of the year about, wow, I really did what I said I was going to do all year. In fact, if most people make it through the end of January, that's probably an epic achievement. But instead this year, it's an opportunity for us as the body of Christ here in Crozet to say, my resolution this year is redemption. My resolution is that I will take steps, I will move forward into the glory of God, and I will continue to develop myself into being the person that God needs me to be, that God wants to send out into the world, that God wants to bless not only my family and my friends, but God's family and the friends of Jesus Christ. It's our opportunity here and now to say to God, we have not been perfect. In fact, sometimes we have not even been present with you. But our desire in the depths of our being and the wells of our spirituality is to move in that direction. But we can only do it, Lord, with your strength. We can only do it with your presence and your guidance, guarding us from going back. There are so many times in the scriptures where the people talk about how it used to be better. It was better back then. None of us have ever said that, right? It was so much better back then when I was a kid, when I was a young adult, whenever, you know, which is now and now farther and farther in my past as I grow older. But we say these things, and the people become so focused on the past and going back. The kingdom of heaven is not back there. It is before us. It is above and descending, and we are marching to Zion. We are not backsliding into salvation. We are going forward. And so we have to recognize that. And the people, when you hear what they wanted, when they want to go back, you think to yourself, really? This is what you really think you want? Things like cucumbers and meat. I kid you not, that's a biblical quote. We had cucumbers back in Egypt. You had 400 years of hard suffering slavery, bondage and brutal beatings that made you cry out so long and so hard that God heard you in heaven and you want to go back for cucumbers. You want to go back for meat? That's really what it is. Your entire existence revolves around having cucumbers and meat in your belly? 
How about being liberated from bondage? How about being freed from forced labor and servitude? Or how about being with your God? That's not back there. What was back there was something that you knew even though you hated it. What's back there is earthly and secular things, but you are a priestly people. What, I, what is ahead of you is the glory of the kingdom. What is ahead of you is a time when you will not even remember what you wanted to go back for. Because what is behind us is sin and guilt and death, rejection, loneliness. What is behind us is what is absolutely destroyed before we enter into the kingdom. In the kingdom, those things are so far removed from us that they are forgotten, for they will never be again. We never have to fear death, sickness, decay, sin, guilt, brokenness, relationships that are destroyed and torn asunder. We don't have to fear that in the kingdom because God has said, I will utterly destroy those things. They will never harm you or haunt you again. And I will set you free. Unless you really want to go back to that. But the older I get, the more I recognize I never wanted those things in the first place. That's not what I wanted. What I want is to be the person that God <coughs> created me to be. The same God that knew us before our first breath. The same God that knew us before our heart beat. The God that knew our name before any lips ever uttered it. The God that has known us and loved us from our very humble beginning all the way through every sin, every mistake, every evil word, every detrimental, painful action, everything that we have ever done, this God has been with us and for us and loved us and has forgiven us. And today is our day not just to recognize that but to say, God, I receive this and I want to be the person that you created and redeemed me to be because there are others in God's miraculous working in the world that need us to be that person, not the person we were in the past, but the people that we are and are becoming. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.